Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. another episode of you'd love to see it this week i am joined by my two beautiful best friends eric zoo and caleb brunman wow he, he, he didn't even allow you to do a proper pause <laughs> eric say hi <laughs> caleb say hi i'm gonna stand in solidarity with eric on this all one. right all right but we also have a fourth host this week our quad lovely host. quad host, our lovely producer, live in studio today. Um, she doesn't know she's the producer. She's shaking her head and shoulders like what? But pretty that, cool. I'm pretty man. sure we've told her many times. Yeah, don't you want to be a? We've producer? We've got lots of scripted we literally drama call this episode. You, we literally call you a producer, and you don't have to do anything. I mean, you know, when we make it big, don't you want to be able to claim you were the producer for this show? Yes. Exactly. There you go, Olivia McGrath. How are you doing today? Did you say McGrath? What? Did Mc... you pronounce my name wrong? McGrath? <laughs> what? Hold on, let's... <laughs> one more time, one you more know, time. You know Olivia... Olivia McGrath. McGrath. Oh. <laughs> Is it really? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. McGrath? Yes. But it ends in F-T. It ends in T-H. Wait, what? Wait, how do you spell your last name? M C G R A T H. What is going on? Oh my gosh, I've been spelling it M C G R A F T. <laughs> the joys of live radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guys, I had not known. I thought something was fishy about that. You didn't you didn't check her name when you gave her the contract to sign no, for, I for guess producer? No, I guess so technically it's not her so she can't claim like copyright when we uh I guess you're not getting paid for this <laughs> I one. Got uh yeah, you see these stacks that we're swimming in right now? You're not getting any of that. Sorry about that. But Olivia McGrath, welcome on for your second episode um on the podcast. Thank you. Uh actually it's third if you count like the two words I spoke. Well, we don't count that. You were producing. Yeah, that was that was oh, just yeah. a producer. That was just oh, producer. I, I right now you're producing at the same time you're hosting. So you're just multitasking. This week, we're going to be, uh, the reason we brought in a super special guest is because we have a super special film uh, called Licorice Pizza, originally called Soggy Bottom, um, but for some reason, the name was uh, was changed. Uh, would you rather, the intro question for today, uh, it's making a comeback, is would you rather this movie have been called Soggy Bottom? Yes. I honestly don't like either title. I don't like either either, but at least Soggy Bottom comes from Comes from what? Movie. Having a Soggy Bottom? Did you, when, was I crazier when he was running yeah, the, from that's the police what the water station, bed. he had a Soggy Bottom? Oh. Did he pee himself? I feel like he did, out of fear for Did you think that police. was real? No. Oh. <laughs> if I was an actor and they said you have to 
piss yourself in this scene. I would do it. I mean, I'm a true method actor. I had to. Nobody was was talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay, Zach just elects you, to piss himself. Do you often. like do you like the title Soggy Bottom or Licorice Pizza? Uh what do I, you feel like is in, encapsulates your love for this film more? I prefer the title that So here's where he makes a witty sounds more appetizing. Which is the one I would prefer to eat. Soggy bottom. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Um, Licorice Pizza is our film for the week. The new PTA film. Uh, my first PTA film. Not Caleb, nor Eric, nor Olivia. So I'm this is I'm on my lonesome with this being my first film. But before we get into Licorice Pizza, we got some other movies to talk about. Some little, you know, trailers to mention. Some releases. Some drama. I don't know what the drama is, but um, what have you guys seen recently? You know, we all just saw Licorice Pizza somewhat recently, Caleb, a little while ago. Um, Eric and I had the distinct pleasure of sitting through a three-hour film, uh, Drive My Car. I'm sure he will want to say something about that. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, thought it was very good. Uh, not enough driving of the car, as Eric said to me in the car as we were driving. Um, but uh, still a very good film. In fact, the three-hour runtime did not feel like three hours, and I very much recommend it. It might end up higher on my year ranking list than Licorice Pizza. So, we will see. Yeah, Drive My Car was very solid. It's a Murakami adaptation. I feel Um, like you liked it more after our discussion. (laughs) And it is one of those movies where... It's like people are haunted by their pasts and they're trying to work through it. In this case, through driving his car and through theater. Um, it's like Manchester by the Sea and meets cars. That sounds D. amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. It was good. It was pretty nice. Um, we added that as a double feature after we had seen Licorice Pizza in L.A. Uh, this oh. weekend. In so 70 was, mils. In 70 mils. Did you see it in 70 mils? I sure did. I don't know about that. Which, which you theater should... did you see it at? Regency Village, right? Guess which theater I saw it at. Regency Guess Village. Guess which Boom. theater is the only theater. Oh, is the only one playing it right now? In anywhere that's not New York. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's it's actually playing awesome. in four theaters Guys, total. we're on an exclusive club. Yeah. That's why I, you know, I'm gonna be like one of those guys, one of the millions of people that are on Letterboxd right now who have reviewed this film. I'm gonna put in the top of my review in italics, 70 mm. It is actually impressive that this movie has so many views, only having been shown in people four are, theaters. We talked about this. People are PTA. Fan. I mean, that, I mean, think about how big that theater was. We saw it in. Yeah. I mean, they could fit. How, what was the capacity for that? I don't even know. It's got to be a couple hundred. Huge. Huge, pretty big. Huge. Um, UJ. Anyone else see anything notable recently? Any other movies you want to mention? We just. Oh, go ahead. You leaned in. I want to see Wolf. No, okay, that's not what you've seen. And also, <laughs> that's being cut right now. Uh, producer. Snip, oh, God, snip. the producer's her. <laughs> I will not be cutting that. <laughs> sniff, sniff. I saw an interview with uh, the people from Wolf. I was no. reading it. Yeah, I subjected my eyes to that. When does it come out? Is it Christmas? Sometime You're going to make me see that in Chicago, oh, aren't you? I absolutely oh my will. God. 
Did you see anything recently? No, you haven't watched any movies recently. No. Caleb, have you seen anything recently? Last week? It's been a busy week. A uh, little film called Judo. Oh, <laughs> interesting. You should tell us all about that. Do <laughs> uh, you got about 45 minutes? <laughs> if you want to hear more about Judo, uh, attend our third cinema class next semester, and maybe it'll be in the, you know. You, you retaking the class? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hopping right on that train. Absolutely. Um, I think that's, I don't, I don't know. I, we, I was going to watch The Power of the Dog this week. Um, it's not our episode for this week. Um, it will be coming up. It's okay. Caleb's over there feeling like he is the one who disappointed us. But in fact, I also did not watch it. So it's okay. So if both of us didn't watch it, then really it's Eric who disappointed us. Yeah. I mean, Olivia didn't even watch it. I'm the one that's disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) I am excited to see it. I'm sure we'll talk about it. If not on an official episode, um, it will be an official episode. It will be. Well, we got a lot of movies to cover. Uh, next week, what is next week? Is next week West Side Story? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we got a lot of movies to go through, but uh, it'll come back up. It'll come back up. I guarantee it. It'll come back up. What, Caleb? You look like you were about to mention. What? Something. I'll just say it right now. Let's scrap Nightmare Alley. <laughs> Sorry, really? I, you know what? I mean, uh, I, I'm down. I could yeah. be down. I'm gonna see it. Um, Olivia, are you excited for that movie? You know it's your boy who's directing it. Who's my boy? Del Toro. Oh, I like Del Toro. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> to to to. Do you like Shape of Water? Eh. To evoke what happened Some last time Olivia it. was on the podcast, <laughs> not the room for Guillermo Del Toro. <laughs> Olivia's gonna. I should just leave right now. <laughs> she did talk. She was like, she was like, you know, Eric and Caleb just kept saying. This is not the room for anything. I'm like, yeah, Eric and Kale were pretty elitist with their film. No, <laughs> but um, what what is your favorite Del Toro movie? Do you have a favorite? Hmm. No. Well, that's a good answer. Uh, I think Eric had the same same answer. Brian. I don't mind. I don't mind the Devil's Backbone. I I just like his creativity, his monsters, his creatures. More than the films because they're often a little more. You wanted to see drama. Antlers, right? Oh, I do. Yeah, I do want to see Antlers. Yeah, that that is a movie. But he, That's he, produced, no, he, he produced. He produced it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I like the Fish Man. The Fish Man. <laughs> no, that, fish that man. like it was pretty. <laughs> well, let's talk about licorice pizza. Let's dive into some PTA, some of the <clears throat> delicious licorice pizza, and uh, let's talk about this hangout movie. I'd give a big description for this movie, but there's, um, first of all, the letterbox description is bad. It just says, set in the San Fernando Valley in the 1970s. Did I say that right? Uh, the film follows a success or a high school student who is also a successful child actor. That could literally describe anything and also not, not accurate. Right? <laughs> it could describe Shrek. No. Well, I think we watched very well. What part shows. of that movie? What part of that description is inaccurate? Um, yeah, I think it's a great description. Successful. Is he? Ve- he's not successful. He was pretty successful. He was on like no. a yeah, yeah. He was no. on like a world tour or whatever. Yeah, but that's not that successful. For a child actor, is pretty successful. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on. He, he's no. He, he, I mean, he has you... enough money to like go do his own. He's shit. no Timothy Chalamet. All right, that's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know, he's Timothy Chalamet was. Not really a child actor. 
What do you know about children? How old was he in um, <laughs> Interstellar? How old was he in Interstellar? He's pretty young. Nineteen, maybe. No, he, he was, was young. <laughs> he was the yeah. I know, right? I remember when they told me that. I was like, oh my god, I've seen him like twenty times. He was when was Interstellar? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. So it was eighteen. No, he wasn't. Was isn't he, he really? Isn't he 25? Yeah, he's 25. He was 18? He looks like he's like 12 in that movie. The same thing with Thomas Brody Sangster. If you've seen um, the movie Love Actually, how old would you guess that kid is? 17? Yeah, I would say something like that. Well, he was supposed N- to be... 19? So young in the film, and he was... Like, how like, young are we talking? Like, 5? 20... No, we're talking about, like, yeah. 2? 11 or Well, 12, to be fair, if we're going to talk 17. about a film... Wait, he actually... I said that's a joke. He was actually 17. <laughs> he was... Yeah, he was No, he 17. was not 17. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. <laughs> Caleb was just happy he was right. That's all it is. Or maybe... Yeah, maybe I have it. Love actually... Anyway, there's a, there's a disparity there. Speaking of actors who don't look their age, first of all, we're going to have a huge contentious point in this podcast today. <laughs> there's um, no way he said... <laughs> He is not 17. I... 13. 13. Uh, guys, if you don't know what just happened, obviously, we just put up a photo of the kid from Love Actually. And Look he... up his age in that movie. Look it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> Olivia said he was actually, in real life, the actor was 17. He was... He's Ferb and Phineas and Ferb? I did not know that. He's only. Oh, <laughs> he does not go. look seventeen. Wait, is he Australian? Yeah, he was thirteen. He was thirteen. How old was the the kid he played in the movie? Much like, younger. Like nine. <laughs> I had I had the. <laughs> I can't believe you thought he was seventeen. <laughs> I I knew it was somewhere. It was either he was uh, like an older kid playing a really young teen. It was somewhere. Thirteen is very <laughs> different than seventeen. <laughs> no, I knew it was either an he was old playing a young teenager or a young teenager playing like. A, We're never a letting really that down. Kid. I hope you know. I mean, <laughs> I don't really care. No, many worse things have happened to me in my life. Oh, my God. Hang on, hang on. You can't trauma dump on You'd love to see it. (laughs) Not trauma dumping. (laughs) You'd love to see it. Not you hate to see it. (laughs) I'm kidding. No, you're not. You're not. You were were close. 17 is close to 13. (laughs) I mean, it was was older than than you think for playing a young kid. All I'm doing is getting us warmed up. For the contentious point that will be the age of the characters and their relationship yeah, in Licorice Pizza. I was just warming those, I was greasing those wheels, you know what I'm saying? I was just getting us ready for the Licorice Pizza conversation. So, let's <laughs> let's talk a little Licorice Pizza. <laughs> oh, let's Don't talk Licorice Pizza. We're not. Let's talk Licorice Pizza. Um, Licorice Pizza, directed, as we said, by Paul Thomas Anderson stars uh someone want to correct me when i say these names wrong alana haim haim alana haim cooper hoffman who is the son cooper thanks caleb <laughs> cooper hoffman who is the <laughs> son of the famous philip seymour hoffman um and then everyone else is there's a couple other characters there's uh sean penn's in the movie for a little bit I don't know why he's third listed um bradley cooper makes a legendary performance what because he's the biggest like the most well-known sean penn you're gonna argue with me that you're gonna argue that sean penn's more well-known than bradley cooper well yeah i don't know why bradley they're all up there is tom waits more known than bradley cooper yes 
Who the hell is no. Tom Waits? Yeah, Tom Waits is very famous. Yeah, he's very famous. I don't know. I'd say both Sean Penn and Tom well, Waits. But are I think Bradley Cooper is the most famous. Well, right Bradley now. Cooper is. I mean, well, they, they had long careers before. Bradley yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's usually how it goes. Is George DiCaprio? Do you think he's related to Leonardo? Look it up. He's Leonardo's father. George. He doesn't have a picture. I don't even know who he plays. Um, it's Leonardo's father, George. Anyways, I can't tell if you're serious. Bradley Cooper's in this film. Benny Safdie uh, is in this who, film. Who is he? Who's he playing? He's the mayor. Oh. He's the, like, no, no, I know he's oh. the mayoral candidate, but who's he? Pl- like, what else has he played? He directed Uncut Gems. That's the, Saf- oh! the Safdie brothers. He was oh. in. He's the guy. He's the one in Good Time. He's the brother that's in Good Time. I'd never seen him his face before. Yeah. No, it was we were we knew that he was in this film before, so we were like I, I didn't recognize him until a couple minutes into it. I was like, Oh my god, that's that's a that's one of the safties. So uh yeah, it's got a pretty nice cast and um, you know, I think it's really interesting too because this is, as we said, a very hangout movie, a very coming of age type hangout type glimpse into the seventies, maybe you know, a similar genre to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the best thing is it stars two actors making their acting debut. Um, was not aware. Actually, Alana Haim was in. She was not. He didn't even finish a sentence. She wasn't. Eric, help me out here. Was she in anything? Lonely Island. Oh. The Bash Brothers. Oh. Uh, well, in a stunning. Uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, Alana Haim is not like unknown. But yeah. She, well, it, it said uh, it said that this was her. Acting debut, but I don't know what that. I guess maybe acting in terms of not in a the Lonely Island. She was short. in Taylor Swift the 1989 World Tour live. Was she really? Would she well, do well, that? She probably, oh, probably saying or yeah. something. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. PCA seems like someone who would like Heim. Did well, you Heim's see whole, the, the whole Heim family is in there? It's yeah, I mean, yeah. That's their, oh yeah, that's their yeah, that's a real family. I Did you see? Really I so I read several interviews uh, with PTA for this film, which we're gonna dive into. I think one of the biggest topics that we're gonna save for a little later, and then it's gonna be a spicy meatball once we get there, is the subject of the relationship between the two main characters, um, Alana and Gary. Um, but I saw an interview that he somewhat wrote this uh, when he he kind of had her in mind, but he didn't have Gary. Interesting, because we talked about this, Eric. I thought maybe he would have had Gary uh, or he would have had uh, Cooper Hoffman in mind, but he, he actually didn't. So it was interesting how he came, you know, and I think obviously PTA has worked with a lot with uh, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, so it just. I guess happened to be fate that he ended up working with Cooper Hoffman in his uh, acting debut, um, and we'll we'll get into their performances and everything like this. But but let's talk about it. Let's. What do you guys think of Licorice Pizza? Um, what do you? One thing that I think throw threw me off, and I'd be interested to watch it again, was how quickly the film just jumps into things. Like there is literally no intro credit. There was, I mean, we watched it. There was no, obviously, no trailers. Um, it's just like title card into it. You love to see it. You love to see it. You're you a fan love of that? to see it. You're a yeah, fan of that? Yeah, get into the Engaging. action. Let's get go. Into it. it wasn't like yeah. kind of jarring that, like, it was literally like, boom, How dialogue. can it be jarring? What, what like, were you being jarred from? I was being jarred because, like, I kind of like, so I feel like when I watch a movie, right? 
at least not 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 necessarily the trailers, but you know how like sometimes there's like a two minute like intro sequence, like you know some type yeah, of like boring. cinematic. I know, but at least boring. doesn't it like settle you down? You know, kind of get you in the mood. You know, a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But that whole scene is like the long. T- it's like very no. Chaotic, I agree. Like it's very. That's what I'm saying. It's so chaotic. It just comes. So. It comes off like oh my god. So you all three like that. It's not that I didn't like it. I was just wondering. I mean, it just seems I've just. I'm not used to that. It was just like, bam, we're in there. Conversation starting. Chaos raining. Yeah. Yeah? Get what you paid for. <laughs> Every sweet second of yeah. it. Yeah. Every sweet second. So efficient. It's sexy. <laughs> so you guys are familiar with PTA. So efficient as he's doing crazy long takes. Uh, yeah. Like, everything is happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's... He doesn't no have cuts. to cut at yeah. all. He just, like, let's go. Let's shoot this thing. So you guys have seen other PTA films, so I want to ask you this. How does this film, looking at it as a whole, feel different? How does it feel similar? Does it have a similar style, similar flow? Like, what What does, does this feel like a PTA movie, or does it feel like a wild departure? Yes. A PTA movie, yeah, very much so. A PTA. So, what about it? Name me some of the. As someone that is unfamiliar with PTA, name me some either. Like, why? Like, what about it? What about it? it? Was like, ah, yeah, I'm here. I'm in a PTA film right now. I think the main thing for me was the technical expertise of it. Like, his like exactly what you talked about with that opening long take with like everything going on at once. Like you oh, see yeah, that he has like, another super long take in Magnolia, right? In Magnolia, I was thinking a lot of Punch Drunk Love, actually. Like, it reminded me a lot of, like, all the crazy long takes that were happening all throughout that movie, but specifically, like, when Adam Sandler's character first meets Emily Watson and, like, his... Oh, my God, there's, like, a TV or, like, some, like, whatever, like, get-rich-quick scheme he's trying to do is, like, falling over the floor. Like, people are, like, falling everywhere. He, like, I don't know, just jarring, like, whip pans, like... Crazy technical stuff happening everywhere. Boogie Nights also opens with a right. crazy long oh, take. Oh, I forgot about Boogie Nights. Really, I really want to see Boogie Nights. Also, <laughs> the iconic, <laughs> like all the running in this movie, like is that, a, so that much is a big that is a big thing. Like I'm pretty sure that shot is in like most of his movies. Like you see it. So like the running, there's the running in Punch Drunk Love, where Adam Sandler. Emily Watson running opposite sides in Hawaii to each other. It's in the main one I thought of was The Master. I was like, oh, this is straight out of The Master. Um, where he's a big fan. Um, of who? <laughs> no, no, sorry. I was making. I was saying he's a big fan of the running. Yeah, and what? of the master. Joaquin Phoenix. No, when Joaquin Phoenix, like, is like running off into the fields or like in the desert. It's a recurring. It's a recurring. Recurring shot. Anything else that made you feel like you were definitely in a PTA film? I think it's more of the technical stuff. Free-flowing plot. Yeah. Not so structured, just, you know, slice of life. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And the John C. Riley cameo, because he's in most of Paul Thomas yeah. films. And Leo DiCaprio's dad, George. <laughs> I, I really saw... This uh, is... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I mean, I really saw, like the really structured like almost like tab not tableau but like the really like iconic pta moment is like the show when they're on the like 
late night show or whatever. And then there's that huge shot of all the kids um, in the child's play in that like little white box. Mm. So PTA to me, just in like how strict the composition is, like how like, like the sharp lighting contrast, like how intricate it is. I don't know. Very PTA. So you told me this definitely feels to you like his loosest film in terms of plot and overall, right? Yeah. You guys agree? I mean, Olivia, Caleb, you guys also feel like that? I mean, it's a very, hang it's a hangout movie. So obviously very little plot. I mean, do you feel like this is definitely his loosest work? Uh, well, I think it was partly based on his own memories too, because some of the scenes are yeah. But very I just mean like, in terms of lacking plot, like it's uh, very... I don't remember anything about there will be blood. I'm, I have to say, I don't either. But there's something very um, literary about Nichols how that was, movie feels to me. Was not um, as loose, definitely. So I mean, yes, of all the ones I've seen, um, the... but I liked that. No, yeah, I think the closest comparison. In terms of plot flowiness, Say would it. be no. Boogie Nights. Yeah, really Boogie Nights it. follows a very like, not like clear, but it does follow some general like rise and fall of a star sort yeah. of sort of storyline. That is like, in a way that this one doesn't. Well, I mean, there's obviously some, I you know, there's some plot here in terms of the overall relationship. Yeah. You know, that kind of connects everything through. But, yeah, there's otherwise it seems like a momentarily gl glimpse into an otherwise infinite, you know, story. Um, and I haven't seen Inherent Vice, but I imagine Inherent that Vice one is very would, loose. Would, would be. Yeah, you mentioned that to me as well, Eric. Another thing, um, you know, just to get this out of the way, and I'm, I'm interested to hear. I've heard Eric's idea on it. We talked about it. Olivia and I have talked about it. I'm sure Caleb is in agreement. Um, uh, no. But you might want to change that. No. Um, there is something kind of questionable in the film. We talked about the kind of Asian humor. You token. set me up. I, well, you <laughs> sick man. You, you, you set I, me up. I told him you might want to say no. We talked about this. Um, it happens. There's like one big scene and then it comes up again in the middle. Where the care? Oh, what's the actor's name? I've seen him oh, in so many things. Game. You guys know who I'm talking about? Who, the guy who played Jerry? Um, I don't remember his name. Oh, it was John Michael Higgins. Higgins. Um, so he plays the dad who is like very. Doesn't he own like a Japanese restaurant? Yeah, and he's married to a Japanese woman who. Is different from the first, like he. A series of Japanese yeah, he's, he's essentially he. Yeah, he has, yeah. And there's the biggest thing is that he talks very normal, and then all of a sudden, when he's trying to communicate something, he said. So he, you found out later that he doesn't obviously know Japanese, but he changes communicates by just inflection. changing his inflection by basically speaking in a caricature accent. Yeah, yeah. he's basically <laughs> like a very racist way. Um, obviously, the the main thing is like, oh. PTA is just, you know, he's not saying, oh, laugh at, you know, this, you know, we're not making fun of Asian people. We're making fun of the racist who's making fun of Asian people. But it doesn't still come off, you know, like, what what do you guys think about this? We talked a little bit, like, what do you, like, why do you think that comes off as kind of, there's become, when I talk with Eric in line for the, uh, for Drive My Car, that it's like, I've noticed this in more and more movies 
that it just seems like it's like uh, oh like like let's make a joke about Asian culture or Asian people like oh that's safe like we can do that like that like pushing the bar a little bit but it's still safe you know and it seems like it be, it's become oddly popular in 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 films recently. I mean, it always has been everything from like Pretty in Pink, but Lost in Translation. But um, I, yeah, I. I found that scene awkward and out of place um and was, and surprised, was surprised by the entire yeah. theater erupting like, in laughter like there's a similar joke in almost the exact same manner in inherent vice yeah that's what you said and everyone laughed i mean like the like the theater yeah. like it's a very you know jokey part but you know i guess i don't know if you have anything else to to say Caleb, other than what we have but i mean did that part also like were you like that's eh, lazy or like eh, it's weird like yeah, I, I didn't think it was very funny. I also don't think he had bad intentions. I no, think, I no. think he, he his goal was to make fun of of Higgins's character, but yeah, it was kind of unnecessary. But it makes I mean, like, look, you're in the 1970s in America. We know that in the 1970s in America. There are a lot more, I mean, there still are today, but a lot more, it was a lot more acceptable to be outwardly racist or make jokes or, you know, make fun of character, you know, caricatures. Oh, I can't say that word. Um, so, sure, I guess maybe it fits being in the time, but it, it seems very, you know, that was just one thing I think we mentioned. And it's interesting because I saw several reviews that were that really meant like took the time to say like love the film but just this this thing bothered me it seems unnecessary doesn't add anything and just seems weird to be there yeah they could have done his whole owning an owning a japanese restaurant very differently without like it it could have still been a subplot but that whole scene was unnecessary yeah. I mean, it's not even that's the thing is it doesn't add anything. It's not even really a subplot. It's just like some tiny, tiny like, and it's, I mean, it's obviously just supposed to elicit a laugh, you know, or two. But yeah, it it, it seems weird. I I just think it's you know it was, it was interesting that I, it was I saw people pick up on that. And this movie, you know, surprisingly, I don't know how much research you know you guys have done in terms of looking at reviews for this film. This film's pretty controversial, like more than I thought. So specifically. I think the biggest thing that we, you know, we should talk about is the relationship between Alana, or is it, sorry, Elena? Alana. Alana and Gary. Um, and this is something that Olivia and I have talked and argued about a little bit. And I'm curious to hear your guys' position. You know, so to give some um, background, you know, Alana is supposed to be this 25-ish age girl who is at the beginning working for the school for this photographer for the school that Gary goes to and she is basically, you know, hasn't really gone anywhere with her life. She throughout the film that kind of changes as she becomes kind of friends with Gary, business partners in this waterbed thing and then she even gets to move into kind of politics. And there's one funny line where she says, like, I'm a politician, you know, when she's obviously, you know, she's she's just volunteering to do kind of like phone duty and stuff like that. But she's, she's you know, she's growing up. She's older 
Um, you know, it says she mentions multiple times being around 25. She lies a little bit about being older at some points. And then Gary is supposed to be this 15-year-old kid who, you know, I really like David Ehrlich's review of 15-year-old going on to 30 because he's 15, but he doesn't look 15. He looks old. He like, looks He's 17. He's 17. <laughs> he does not look 15. He's this big, burly, red-haired kid who does not <laughs> – what? Red hair <laughs> absolutely prevents you from looking 15. No. And you can look younger. You can look older. Um, and he is this kind of like witty but also awkward and – but smart businessman, but just kind of all over the place who has a lot of growing up to do and, you know, kind of becomes infatuated with um, Alana. So, you know, what we're the big thing is, spoiler alert, um, you know, towards the end of the film, this relationship that has been building, building since literally the first second they meet on in screen time, which is the first second of the film. um it culminates in the end in them kissing finally and, you know, being a couple. Um, and this is where a lot of, I think, different ideas come into play, which is the nature of their relationship, the age difference between the two. If it is literally 15 and 25 or 15 and whatever or 16 and 25, whatever it may be. Um, there's a lot of reviews about 17 and 13. <laughs> there's a lot. Of, <laughs> that's never going to go away. Um, so you said it wouldn't bother you in here. <laughs> um, do you guys have a, gives any, any starting notes on that topic? I've seen a lot of things talk about and be critical of this film because they believe it encourages a very pedophilic relationship. A 15-year-old high school boy with a 25-year-old woman. Um, you know, Olivia has made the points to me, which I'll let her make now, that she doesn't believe that the film is romantic in nature. Well, no, clearly the ending is. But I think uh, the most endearing part is their, like, partnership. And while – and it's like a – it's loving, but it is – platonic for the beginning i mean he has this like crush on her this adoration um and she's definitely intrigued by him i don't think it needs to culminate in crossing that boundary to romance because i think it's equally endearing to have him just like to then have this unlikely friendship um as they're both trying to grow in their own separate ways alana's definitely like trying to live up to her parents and her successful older sister, um, feeling she'll never leave this town and these small jobs. Um, and Gary doesn't even know what it's like to live a real life because he's off in his own head thinking of these um, ideas for businesses. Um, and I think they make a good team um, and they help each other grow. But I just thought they didn't need to end up together. Like I was when, um, when Alana began to crush on the other campaign worker, um, I was like, Oh, maybe she'll find a relationship. Um, but she'll keep 
her connection with Gary. But no, I thought the ending was just like, oh, so they literally are 10 years apart, but they're not moving forward at all. Yeah, what do you guys think? I mean, do you, I mean, I, I think that this is very clearly a love story. But now how do I wrap my head around the age difference? I'm not going to sit here and say that I think it's acceptable in the real world for a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old, no matter man or woman, to be in a romantic relationship. But there's something there. I've, I've heard people say, oh, it's art. you know. We Or think of a movie like Call Me By Your Name. Like, also underage kid. Granted, he's 17 in that film. And like a 30, what, 40-year-old man? 30-year-old? Like 26. Um, oh, sorry, whatever. Um, sorry, he just seems like <laughs> much it 27? older. It's, it's like the same age um, Something difference. around that. What do you guys have to say about this? Do you think, one, to the romance, necessary, unnecessary, would have been good without it, and then kind of this other hot topic? I'll say two things about this and then yield my time. First... Uh, I don't, I, I strongly believe that an artist featuring something in their artwork is not necessarily an endorsement of what they feature. Uh, so I don't think it's fair to say that Anderson is looking to promote uh, relationships with this age difference or, or advocate for that. I think that's just what is in the movie because he thought this is what would happen if in this scenario, if we were in real life. And my second point is that, yeah, I, I agree with my, <laughs> I agree with my own uh, theoretical assessment of, of Paul Thomas Anderson's psychology uh, in that, uh, yeah, I seemed from the very beginning, actually, I thought that it was leading to a moment quite like the one we got at the end. And I think it makes perfect sense. And I did not get the impression that this was necessarily going to lead even to sex or a prolonged sexual relationship or a prolonged romantic relationship. But the fact that they ended up running to be with each other and kissing at the end, I thought really fit within the bounds of the story. And that's all I have to say. Uh, I think that is very well said. Um, I agree, especially with the first part. Um, and I do also agree that um, I think, I think the moment, the end, I, I as much as I, understand what you're saying Olivia I I can't imagine the movie not having that like I think it, it needs it because of how everything has been built but I also think that I can see what Caleb's saying is that it doesn't necessarily mean or suggest anything after that point it just means that the culmination of it pays off with that ending being how it was I think it could be even more ambiguous, though, just like clinging to each other in that moment, not even kissing. Because I thought the moment was powerful when they were laying on the waterbed and he but also stopped a, himself from touching her. Yeah, but also, but a clearly romantic feeling. Like, you can't deny the movie had romantic 
feelings, right? Like, Yes, it did, but I also think it could be one of those cases where they grow realizing that that's not sustainable. And well, that, and that, and that, that can they still can be still true, care for right? each other. I think that can still be true, as Caleb said. Like, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't but necessarily... Like, I, I just... The, and it could be ambiguous and lead to that. It, like, they still run to each other. They still clearly have that strong connection, but they, like, cling to each other instead of kissing, you know? I, that's I know. just That's I think just how I imagine the power of the kiss is really what sells it. Um, it's a cliche, but that power of that first kiss... I think makes it power. I, I don't know. I, I don't dis. I don't think you're like wrong. As much as we got into a heated argument the other day, the co- um, whole coffee shop could hear us <laughs> screaming about this. We got into. This is why we, we. I can't talk movies in public because I make a fool of myself. Eric, you've been silent on this topic because we. You've been thinking hard over there. What is your opinion on all this? What Caleb said. What we've said, or what you want to say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to me that in this case the age gap is meant to like in in a way be more of this um marker of like the difference between their like age and their like maturity like i i read this one review mike d'angelo <laughs> who who basically says like the age gap is not something that while on its own like very problematic is not something he actively was thinking about much through the movie because the the like at what point does Cooper Hoffman's character ever like register you to you as a 15 year old like he is a 15 year old and that's not to say that like like 15 year olds can be mature too but that <laughs> like that like no you're the, right it's more the more the idea that his age is meant to be played off of how he plays in the movie and the weird business things he is able to do as a 15 year old. Yeah. It doesn't seem. Um, and I, I think I, I do generally agree with that sentiment. Um, and yeah, I guess it just, it is not like, I mean like to compare something like we, you talked about call me by your name and like in that one, that is like the age difference is something that I think about in that movie because Timothy Chalamet is, very clearly a child in that movie he is always around his parents um he is i don't know everything about him screams child to me in that movie (laughs) um and it feels like part of that movie is timothy chalamet being like sort of like manipulated or like i didn't know you saw call me by your name like that not manipulated but like there's definitely him, him have him as a child Meaning that he has weirder, like not weirder, like stronger attachment to what happened than than the other guy. Did you and, read the book? No. I would be curious to hear okay. your thoughts on it. Um, and whereas in this case, that is that like childlike quality is never emphasized in the same way. It's more like the age is more of a thing for Alana to be like, wow, like I really spend a lot of time with like children. Wow, like what does that say about my maturity? Like where I am at with my life while I'm where I'm at twenty five, where like. This kid is out doing his business. So what do you say then, either you or Caleb, to people who say, well, all those things could be true, and I agree with you, but why not just make him 17? Why not just make him 17? 17, the age of consent in most states. The, the argument there is, just like Call Me By Your Name, 
He's arguably an adult. Sure, the reality we know is not, you know. So the purpose of changing his age to what? Make the audience more comfortable? In I'm just saying. So I, I've seen many. Like So I was on Reddit. Someone said, it's probably like a Karen. They were like, this, this, this is wrong. I think if he had just made the age 17, because I mean, we never see him at school until like, the first scene. There's yeah, really what, no mention is, of him at all that is in a question school. That I had. What, where is he? <laughs> what is he like? Why is he not? At school? Yeah, <laughs> we we don't we don't talk about that. Um, so, what is your response? People are like, why not just make him 17? Because otherwise, the movie gives off pedophilia vibes, or just suggestions. Do you say, well, you know, go make your own movie where the protagonist is 17? Or do you say, oh, yeah, maybe he should have just done that to be safe? Oh, once you start making creative choices to be safe, that you don't want to open up that door. I don't think it door. even, like, no, 17 is still a child. It's the exact uh, I agree. I, I just, there seems to be a weird amount. I don't know why. I've seen some very big reviews on some pretty popular film review websites that have been fairly critical of the, and they have been very hesitant about talking about it and they mention oh we know it's we like weird blah 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 so i'm just wondering like our audience is just overreacting you know like are do we need to not do you have something you look like you pulled something up do you have something you were oh i thought this you were this is unrelated oh, okay um yeah i guess maybe we could just keep it at what I, mean, I think said. it further just emphasizes like the fact that this is like, I, I think Olivia, you said in, in your review, like, this is a coming-of-age story for, like, Alana Himes' character. Like, like he could have been 17. Like, I guess 15 just makes it more prominent. Like, when you think 15, you do still think, like, oh, this is, like, a teenager, like, hormonal teenager. And it, it does make the point clearer. And I, I once again, I, I don't think the age in this movie is emphasized for I don't think it is very emphasized but I, I don't think the age is used for anything more than saying something about the like res, like the thematics of it and I I was uh, I, I guess I was a bit able to like separate the two even though I, I don't know if like <laughs> but I yeah, this, I don't know. I, I'm not expressing this very coherently. No, it's it's a hard because at the end of the day, and I think Caleb put it very perfectly. I think, I I really think, and someone made this argument as well. This is art. It 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 lives in a different world, and it does not necessarily endorse something. That's not to say you can make an art that is very what like just whatever and say, oh, it doesn't mean this. But I think, I, I don't know. It's a hard. It's a hard topic. Um. And I just, you know, it's sad that a lot of the reviews have focused on this issue rather than appreciating the film for what it is and maybe thinking more of a less literal sense and more in a maturity or, you know, kind of as you talked about. So, you know, I think it's important to bring up. I think it's interesting because at the end of the day, it, it, I haven't seen this type of backlash from a film. I don't know if Common By Your Name received similar backlash when it was released. Um, you know, and definitely did. Yeah. yeah. So, and arguably, if you're, you know, those audiences would probably then consider this even worse because that's 1726. This is 2515. So, there's not much more to say. 
Um, unless you have any of the final thoughts on that, but let's talk, let's talk then more about the world of licorice pizza, things that worked for you, things that didn't work, some, uh, special scenes, appearances. Um, how did you feel about your two protagonists? What did you think of Alana? What did you think of Gary? Were they really well fleshed out, believable? Were you rooting for them? Did you hate one of them? Did you find yourself connected more to one of them? I guess you know, like, you know. Let's start there, Caleb. I'm gonna start with you. What do you What do you think? Do you have any answers to those questions? Yeah, I did like the protagonists, uh, and I thought they definitely had some depth to them. Uh, I especially appreciated uh, how not only mature but really confident Gary is. Uh, back to this as a 15 year old just because well not perhaps just because but in large part because it's just so different than I was at 15 I I could never imagine being so bold and audacious and I thought that was just (laughs) something enjoyable to to watch uh and yeah Alana had just a great arc uh just really growing up after you are supposed to have grown up. It's it's a very rich concept that isn't super explored or super well explored, I would say, in cinema. So I'm glad that we got that right alongside Gary. Two very interesting uh, perspectives. And yeah, when they when they came together, I thought it was lovely. Yeah, I thought Alana was fantastic. Um, just everything about her. Um, her flaws while still being really lovable. Um, like her, uh, like, I'm a politician. I'm actually changing the world while you're just selling waterbeds. Um, she's definitely, she does seem younger than Gary at a lot of points which is interesting considering her age but I think um, another reason I root for their uh, relationship just being like deep and like platonic is she's just bounced around by the the male characters as the object of desire like literally everybody the men in the bar the uh, mayoral candidates assistant Bradley Cooper uh, Gary, of course, um, Gary's actor friend, like, you know, just would have liked to see her have a different, um, yeah, I would agree. I think Alana really is like what makes this movie for me. I think her, she bounces out of the like she and I guess the general like looseness of this movie bounce out of a lot of the general like stuffy overly constructed PTA stuff for me like I honestly I found Cooper Hoffman's character not very memorable um, honestly I'll agree with you he I think Alana was far does, better I think Alana is the one that strikes me as having like the raw like emotional like of the movie I mean like this is a movie that in my mind is about her um and she is the one who has the performance that is able to jump out as well I mean and I think she has the character like I Cooper Hoff 
Cooper Hoffman's character really blends in with the rest of the American entrepreneurs of PTAs. Like, there will be blood, like, punch. Like, you, I, when he was talking about his, like, waterbed business, I could hear, like, the punch drunk love music behind. And, like, Lana Heim really, like, breaks out. Like, ma- like maybe my performance of the year. She was so She's real. So I, I just I there wasn't a second watching her where I was like I feel like I'm watching a movie. It was just yeah. I was just so immersed. Yeah, I mean I I thought he felt really real too. Honestly, I have to say. I mean I I like both. I didn't. I do think. I I don't know. I to me this doesn't seem necessarily like a story about her. It seems like just like from the beginning, it's a story about them. I think they're so tied to each other. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean like this romantic love, they're going to be married or whatever. But I think this is clearly they have this connection. They have this force that brings them together time after time to do, you know, make water a waterbed business. Uh, you know, <laughs> the whole car, uh, the truck scene and everything like she she has these scenes of questioning why she hangs out with him and yet she cannot stop. She cannot, you know, and, and and to me, the difference between, which I agree, is she's very much seen as this object for a lot of the men in the film. I mean, it literally starts off with the, the photographer slapping her ass. And then you have the men in the bar, uh, you know, just like the motorcycle scene where she falls off is just clearly like basically like this man just not caring about her, just doing it, you know. And but I think as cliche as it sounds, I think... And I don't think he was ready. I think in the beginning, he wasn't. I think he did also view her in a very similar way. But I think he changes too in a maybe more subtle way that by the end, he doesn't view her also as an object or a girl like, you know, he does earlier. I like just want to see her boobs or, you know, like he views her, I think, more as like a a person (laughs) not that this is some revolutionary idea that women are people but you know i think that it becomes for me the relation with gary you're saying like oh it'd been great for her not to have that because then it's like oh now she's not an object from like these men but to me it seems the opposite because it seems like she's finally getting to choose like she's finally doing something that she knows make her happy like is making her happy like she doesn't she doesn't have to run at the end to him she in fact she had set up the the to go into to the bar with the guy from the politician's office and she doesn't go you know she she goes to this dinner this and this is what i think to be the most critical scene in the entire movie she goes to that dinner with the mayor and what we can make out to be the the mayor's boyfriend that is being hidden the mayor is having to hide the fact they're in a relationship and he's treating him terribly the entire dinner and it's just it's it's kind of just like this really like damn like this is um, this is probably what it was like in the seventies and you know this is it, it was kind of a very much more like emotional scene in a non emotional movie and that moment when she drops the uh you know the boyfriend off and you know he's talking to her like she she comes to this realization of what she wants like she can have both this career or whatever but she also is happy at the relationship she's formed with 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 um with gary and it's been the relationship that she's formed it's never been something that has been forced upon her even though there's been times where she's questioned it i felt like 
it all came it, it came from her choosing, which I think very much is different than almost all the other, you know, obviously you can argue, oh, she chose to, you know, we'll date that one guy who, you know, the, the circumcised penis boy is what I refer to him as because in the movie he, yeah, weird scene. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think that's what severs with me. And I think that scene in particular was is very powerful, um, which to me works because this is their movie. This is about their moment. And it starts the beginning like that from the first meet. And it continues the rest of the way. They can't seem to get away from each other. It, it it keeps coming together. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a romantic. But uh, you are a romantic. I know. You're such a romantic. Oh, okay, <laughs> thank you. Okay, what do you were? What do you think about? Um, you do you also? Who do you think the protagonist is? Or do you? you how do you see this? One A, one B. Alana. Gary, yeah. If you're gonna make me say one's over the other, then one A is Alana. But I don't yeah. think it's necessary to make that distinction. She uh, she did a uh, amazing job though. Like yeah. she was really good, especially for this being her what quote unquote debut. Um, yeah, she did amazing. Um, but I like what you said about uh, them not being able to stay away from each other. I think that's uh, that is a succinct summary of why the ending works for me. So what else? What else worked for you? Anything notable that you can think of? Maybe scenes or jokes, moments that really either worked for you or really didn't, or like you didn't like. I liked all the celebrity cameos. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. So, what was your favorite? Was it the Bradley Cooper one? Yeah. Yeah, he. He was really funny. It was really weird. It was really Very weird. Funny. Yeah. Um. I thought he was gonna be in more of the movie. I didn't realize he was yeah, such a he's minor. In the trailer. I totally have forgotten. And there are moments in the trailer that aren't in the movie. Yeah, that know. are in the credits too, like Eric said. Um. Other cameo, Sean Penn. You know. That was, was that wasn't my favorite. I won't lie. That, that was my least favorite. That that bar scene thing. as a whole. Tom Waits just going on that weird like rant uh, just took me out of it. Yeah, I didn't like that whole the motorcycle scene with the whole just like macho energy and like drunk like I don't know. Give me a bottle of Everclear. Yeah, I mean I I think the main thing I like how loose this is like how much like with everything going on and like. Sort of a shaky time period, like, how much this feels like a tapestry of 1970s L.A. with, like, various themes and threads running through it. I had a question for you, Eric. Um, what what about this movie makes you like it as a hangout movie compared to something like Everybody Wants Some? That's also in the 70s, also, you know, this kind of, like, hangout movie. The fact that I hate every single character and everybody wants some, and I okay. do not hate these characters. So it's the characters is what it comes down to for you. Yes. I also like this more than everybody wants them. Everybody wants them is so annoying. Oh, my gosh. I think there's, like, that some good laughs, but Caleb, overall, can you I help know. me here? Can you Can you help me? have to I hate the girlfriend ward off people you hate the well, girlfriend no Zoe Deutsch slander allowed oh, yeah. hang on a second no, no 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 I no. love her but 
how she like you hate what you hate people who love theater yeah wow that caricature yeah. yes wow. why don't you just look me and Caleb in the eyes and tell us how you hate who we are as human beings you don't act like Zoe Deutsch in that movie so oh oh why because uh, oh I'm not a real theater kid because he's not a real theater kid is that what you're saying no I feel like she is not a real theater oh kid. oh so you you're you're gatekeeping who who theater is for it's just not for her. Wow. That's pretty sexist. I thought you supported women. <laughs> All right. Licorice pizza. Final thoughts on licorice pizza. I overall, you know, I have to say I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think a rewatch is definitely in order for me once it comes out uh, wide spread. I will be uh, <laughs> I will be watching it <laughs> uh, again. Sorry. I, I'm dumb. Uh but I don't know. I, I think by the end I was pretty hooked, but I, I, I think it took me a little while to get on board. Um, I think my and, favorite thing. Yeah. It's totally interrupting you. No, go ahead. Was Gary's little brother. Gary's little brother. He's so cute. And he's just like watching him with his big eyes. And then they just like say, love you. And he's like, love you. And he just work. He like does the work for him. And he was like. So cute and quiet when he was on the phone with her. Oh, yeah. I love that phone scene where they're just silent. Oh my gosh, that was, that was nice. I like that phone scene too. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear you breathing. <laughs> Caleb, you got any favorite moments or final thoughts? Uh, This is a true slice of life. And uh, Anderson uses that to his advantage. He he takes advantage of the plot's inconsequentiality to just have fun, and I really enjoyed that. Like for example, uh, when the kids flood Bradley Cooper's house or destroy his car, like we don't have to come back to that and make the movie about that, and then suddenly the plot has to be centered on how they need to you know, pay the consequences for their actions. You know, like we understand it's not that type of movie, so it's it really is easy to swallow, surprisingly, that we can just have those outlandish moments and then just move on. And I really enjoyed how that worked in this movie. And I liked the phone scene, and I liked how... Alana drove that truck backwards yeah, down the hill with no gas. I like the boys jerking off the gas canister. Oh, that was my humor as well. Oh, that's what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were just making sure it was warm so they could pour the gas, you know. That's it. What? <laughs> making sure what Caleb, was warm. <laughs> Caleb, was there, was there anything you didn't like? I'm curious. Or anything that stuck out to you like, not my favorite, not my thing. I think the scenes that didn't connect with me uh, didn't really bother me. I was like, wow, I really don't like this. What there, did, there, there were just some scenes that just... Which scenes didn't connect uh, with you? Are there any notable ones? Uh, I guess most of the Sean Penn, Tom Waits stuff. Yeah. Like, I, you know, didn't upset me. I was like, this is horrible. Just, yeah, I, yeah, I think there were just a few scenes scattered around that didn't do it for me, really. But overall, I thought it worked. Eric? Yeah, I th- think 
most of what I wanted to say has been said, but I thought this was very fun and I think I need to see it again. Um, I, I think that I haven't been left with the strongest impression by it other than that I remember thinking it was very enjoyable in a couple specific moments, but that's almost just like a function of how loose this movie is which is as i said before one of the main things i enjoyed about it so we'll see i mean the main scene i want to revisit is the one that you already talked about zach because the the maybe so like very emotional scene in the movie with um benny safty's character's boyfriend i don't want to see how that how i feel about that in a second time since i honestly don't have the strongest memory of that scene other than the emotion of it. Yeah. Some people say it's it's disconnected and just serves as to further Alana um, Alana's uh, realization of her like fear of putting her career over what actually makes her happy. But um, I really yeah. like the scene. I think it's I think one of my favorite I'd have to say. Um, but I'm with you. Surprisingly didn't walk away completely blown away as much as I thought I would. So I think another visit will would possibly, you know, you compared this movie in terms of maybe another viewing as being another viewing of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in terms of what gave you kind of a richer experience was a second viewing. I think it might be the same for me. So, yeah, I otherwise I think it's a very going to be a very, very a, a movie that I come back to, I think, just like I come back to movies like Everybody Wants Some and or things like oh. that so um wow <laughs> eric doesn't like that comment but um yeah i'm i think i made that mistake once <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice hangout movie for sure and it, you know a lot of the comments are like yeah you know what i just want my favorite director to make a hangout movie now if you had to choose as our ending note one director one director to make a hangout movie what would it be what director do you want to see make some type of hangout movie? Either Andrew Adamson or Vicky Jensen. Any reason? Uh, just very strong work with Shrek. Okay. I hate you so much. Go ahead. I want to hear Eric. your answer. You know, I my answer would be one. Okay. See, here's the thing. There already is. I because I was thinking of um. Um, help me out uh, before Link later. yeah and that literally is he has yeah um, I would wonder I was getting wild with it I was like I wonder what like a Christopher Nolan <laughs> I was getting really wild with it I was thinking it only because like how do you <laughs> because his movies are all about like these interwoven plots and stuff like that I'm like how do you do that into a to a hangout movie um, or um the director of La La Land. Um, I wonder what kind of uh, a... What's his name? Damien Chazelle. Um, wonder what uh, it would be like. I don't know. It's a hard question to answer, but everyone was like, oh, I want my favorite director to make a hangout movie now. I know who Eric would choose. David Lynch. Oh. A David Lynch hangout movie? <laughs> no. Yes. No. I would actually love that. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, Eric? Lin-Manuel Miranda. For Eric. <laughs> For Eric. <laughs> Let's go with that. What about a Spielberg? Uh, 
Hang on, maybe. We'll be hanging out with West Side Story we next week. I know. Eric, you didn't answer the question. No director? I mean, I, I don't want to just make it say your favorite director, or as Caleb also not really answer the question. <laughs> um, well, do you think there's a director in mind like that could work, not like just your favorite? Like, do you think there's a director you watch that you're like, they could make a very like atmospheric hangout movie? Xavier Dolan. Laos. Wow. <laughs> Laos could make an incredible hangout movie. Well, I was going to say a pitcher pong. Mm. Did that would really work with his style, though? Very much so. Okay, interesting. Well, thank you for answering the question, unlike one person here um, who just wanted to talk about Shrek all the time. So, uh, Shriek. because of that, we'll never watch Shrek on this podcast. Even if there's a new one, we'll never review it. There, there is, is a, a new, new one. one. We'll <laughs> and we're, you better believe. <laughs> we we will not be We're going to be doing a Shrek marathon before <laughs> well, we next watch week, and review the new Shrek. We won't be re- reviewing Shrek. We're re- Shrekking. We won't be reviewing Shrek. We will be reviewing the new musical by Spielberg, uh, West Side Story. So... We are a little excited, a little nervous about that, and we will we'll see how it goes. But until then, thank you for listening to our episode on PTA's Licorice Pizza, and we will see you next time. Don't forget to watch Wolf. <laughs> <laughs>